Welcome to Order Up, the restaurant operations podcast brought to you by Ops Analytica. Hey, this is Tommy with Ops Analytica, and I want to tell you about a couple of new features that we've added to our restaurant checklist app. Uh, the first one is our taskless scheduler, takes the guesswork out of running your restaurant, lays out exactly a schedule for each day, what's due and when. And then we're also really excited to announce our new alerting system. So be alerted uh, in real time when you have checklists that have been turned in late or critical violations in your restaurants that you need to follow up with. Take those features, add them to already the best restaurant checklist app on the market today. Add in our managed service offering where we'll help you admin the portal as a part of your monthly license fees, and we have a winner. So check us out at opsanalytica.com. That's O-P-S-A-N-A-L-I-T-I-C-A.com or search restaurant checklist app. Hey, this is Tommy Yanolis with the Order Up Show, and welcome back to our podcast. I know that we have been uh, really bad about getting some podcasts in here in 2017 so far, and it's totally my fault. We uh, launched a new version of our platform, and it just got so busy that we haven't really had a chance to do this, but I'm getting back into the studio, and we are going to be recording more interviews with some of the best people in the hospitality industry, which is why we're here today, and uh, I'm super excited to interview not only, I would say, a mentor of mine, but a buddy of mine, and it used to be my boss, uh, Chef Keith Jones. Keith, welcome to the show today. Tommy, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. And uh, we're here at the beautiful facility of Mountain High Appliance, uh, 1130 Pine Street in Louisville, Colorado. And it's a family-owned business. And in this particular store, we have between 16 and 17,000 square feet, and we have over 250 fully functional appliances so if anybody out there is looking to add to change get some nice equipment for your kitchen you come to mountain high appliance (laughs) and ask to speak with chef keith and we'll get you taken care of and i mean this place is insane there's like what how many kitchens in here on on this side uh we have actually two sides and on this side we have nine live kitchen so you can see what the product looks like in your home and when we say live kitchens it's just that everything is fully functional you can turn it on you can work it just like it would be in your home so the try before you buy experience (laughs) is live in effect right here at mountain high (laughs) plains and i mean they have like personal combi ovens people come on really like you need a combi oven in your house absolutely so um so we're here with keith and just so you guys know, I worked for Keith in 1994. Way at, back when. In the Metropolitan Club, which doesn't <laughs> exist anymore, in Inglewood, Colorado. And I started in the pantry chopping broccoli. So, uh, Keith, on the my, on, that's a, my on the Order Up show, we do the same format. Every time when we interview people, we ask the same five questions. Okay. So, I'm just going to kick it off with the first question here, which is explain what you do today. And then take us through your career progression from your first job in the industry to sort of how you got where you are. Okay, so what I do today is, as I said, I'm the chef with Mountain High Appliance. And my job is kind of like it's a work in progress, if you will. And that means that I'm responsible. We do a lot of demonstrating products for our clients. So I take care of that. We're trying to be... Uh, more active and engaged in our community. So Lafayette, Louisville, Superior, as well as Boulder for the Louisville store, 
we're associated with the Chamber of Commerce and different things like that. So we host events here. So we do a lot of after-hour functions. We do a lot of private events, dinners, lunches, and all of that. We also do use and care training. So if you purchase some of the product, we'll show you how to use it and take care of it. So I have my hands in all of that. Then we also are uh, doing some demonstrating for our manufacturers. So a lot of our manufacturers partner with us and we put on lunches, we put on dinners to demonstrate the equipment. So customers that might be interested, you mentioned combi ovens. Some people are like, what the heck is a combi oven? So you can come in and we might do a meal going through combis. We cook this in the combi. We cook this in the combi. We cook that in the combi to try to give you a broad uh, perspective of what the equipment can do. And we try to do it in a fun atmosphere and environment. So we have all that going on. And then we have other locations. So we have a, a location in Colorado springs we have a location in glenwood springs and then we're in in progress of uh doing a new store in a rapahoe broadway area so then that'll be four stores that'll be underneath our umbrella then i travel around now so i have to travel around making sure we have equal programs in all locations sure. now where i came from <laughs> i'm fortunate enough and uh, this is going to kind of like give my age. So I'm old, old, old. Tommy White has an old person on the show. <laughs> but I'm giving uh, my age because I was fortunate enough to right out of high school, I walked into the kitchen of a master chef. And I talk about green. I was so green, it's not even funny. But. He asked me two questions. He says, Keith, do you want to work? I said, yes, sir. Do you want to work hard? I said, yes, sir. And that was on a Friday morning. He said, you come back here Monday morning at 7. So I shows up Monday morning at 7. And he goes, hey, I need everybody's attention. You see this guy right here? I don't want nobody to tell him anything. He belongs to me. <laughs> and that is where my career started. His name is Edward Janos. He's a CEC certified, uh, CMC certified master chef. And he owns a, a facility uh, called Cook's Fresh Market. It's in downtown Denver, not too far away, right across the street from Bayou Bob's and across it's from Maggiano. It's 16th on, and Off the 16th Street Mart, correct. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so my mentor ended up in Denver. It's a fascinating story, but that would be podcast number two. <laughs> okay, so I get, into, I get into the kitchen, and as I said, I didn't have any skills whatsoever. But what I did have was the... I had the fear that I didn't want to do anything wrong. So I was afraid that I, because I didn't know anything, but I didn't want to do anything wrong. So I was scared and slow. <laughs> so he took his time to nurture me. He took his time to, 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 to guide me. He took his time to first instill the confidence in me that I could be in the kitchen. And then once I got the confidence, we were off and running. And the place that we started was a restaurant. It was called Tweenies Cafe. And it was in a city called Birmingham. And Birmingham is a suburb to Detroit, like Cherry Creek is a suburb to Denver. So an affluent city. And we, the, the restaurant Tweenies Cafe, it was a European cafe that was in the uh, 
uh, garden level, atrium level of an office building. So we had a full-on charcuterie department. So we were doing pâtés, terrines, galantines. We had a bakery department. So we had all kinds of luscious, lavish French pastries in our display case. And as a kid from the city, going into a suburban environment like that, restaurant situation like that, Man, I had never seen anything like that. So I was scared, like I said. I was intimidated, like I said. Fish out of water. All of those applied to me. And um, uh, God bless Ed because he took his time. So my I was the 7-3 to three guy, but because I was so slow, my shift stayed till 5.30, sometimes 6, because I had to get the prep done for my next day because I was so slow. And I, I was okay with it because I wanted to make sure I didn't let him down. And that, that was my whole objective was to not let him down. And uh, I stayed with him for 11 and a half years. So I elevated myself throughout the hierarchy of the kitchen. So I worked all stations, all positions. We moved around in that 11 and a half years to probably like five or six different properties. And also we did a lot of uh, donations and special events throughout the, you know, throughout the uh, city and throughout the year. So we were doing everything. We did food shows. We did all the stuff. And every time he signed himself up, I was his right-hand man. So it went without question. Key, come on. You going with me over here. Okay, Ed. You going with me over here. Okay, Ed. So 40-hour work week, that might be normal. I walked in and I was easily 60. And then uh, as I went throughout my career, I was averaging 80 to 100 hours a week. Wow. And then when did you get to the Metropolitan Club? Okay, so I told you I spent all that time with him. Now imagine this. This is how wonderful this man is. He called me in his office one day and he says, Keith, I can't teach you anything else. Here's a list of names. You don't work for me no more. Just like that, right out of the clear blue. And it was like a shot to my gut. I was like, are you freaking, I, I said this to myself, okay? Like, are you freaking kidding me or what? Like, I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to feel about it. Was I, I, of course I was sad, but it, but it, it, it was just like it was a hole in my gut because I would have worked for him forever. I would be working for him right now. If he wouldn't have done that, I, I just would have been whatever he said. I, I mean, I would have done. That's how much. That's how much control he had over me. And when I say control over me, I don't want it to be in, in a negative light. He was just that magnanimous, if you will, to where I gravitated to him, and 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 I just wanted to be around him. I wanted to. I just wanted to 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 do. What was right by him? Cause he did what was right by me. I'm I'm a kid, out of the ghetto, and by all rights, I had three options for my life. The 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 um, the uh, layout of my life. I was either going to the plant, cause I was born and raised in Detroit, so I had a lot of my family for Chevy GM. So I was going to the plant. I was going to the military, or I was going to jail. Because my father was a violent alcoholic. He left our family at an early age. So I come from a single-parent home. And where I was, those were my options. And it was clear. I'm talking about crystal clear. So this guy grabbed me and put me in a completely different environment. 
And because I was there, I didn't know anything, so I just gravitated to him. And over our time, the bond just grew stronger and stronger and stronger. And and it wasn't one-sided. So what I gave him, he gave me. What he gave me, I gave him. So it was definitely two-sided, which, which made it on balance. Now, um, with him telling me he couldn't teach me anything else, it, it, it hurt me. And, and, and later on, I understood it. At the time, I was just in shock, and, and, I, and it was just painful. So one of the people on the list, his, his, his name was Beat Ritchie, and he was a regional chef for an organization called CCA, Club Corporations of America. So long story short, I interviewed with him at the Plaza Club that was on the top of the Renaissance Center in downtown Detroit. They liked me. And it was just like I had the golden ticket. You worked for Ed all those years? Because that's he had the name and the reputation. They was like, we definitely want to bring you to our organization. So I made <laughs> the request. I said, hey, the only thing I'm going to ask, can I go to a property where it's hot? So they said, oh, okay. So you sick of these Michigan winners? I said, absolutely. So they sent me on a job interview to Arizona. <laughs> and I bombed out on a job interview in Arizona, not for anything other than I said this, we we had a fantastic weekend. I was meeting with the sous chef who was leaving and the general manager. And uh, we go out to dinner, and one night we get done, and a, a, a bank sign across the street from the restaurant was flashing. And I said, holy, you know what? <laughs> it's 99 degrees at 1130 at night. <laughs> so the chef... And the general manager, they started laughing. And they was like, oh, yeah, that's nothing. And they thought in their head, this guy won't make it. <laughs> so uh, needless to say, I didn't get that position. But I get on the plane and I go back to Michigan. The sous chef, his name was John Ingalls. He was leaving the Arizona property to relocate to Colorado. So he came to Colorado and he was here for six months. And in the six-month period, he went through four sous chefs. So because we had such a good um, time on the interview in Arizona, he called me right out of the clear blue and says, Keith, I'm having problems with sous chefs in Colorado. If you wouldn't mind coming to Colorado, I'd love to have you here. And the only thing I knew about Colorado was the 4 o'clock football games, sometimes <laughs> in December, the fans in the stands wouldn't have shirts on and the sun would be shining. It would look like a beautiful day. So I was like, John, I'm in. Man, I threw all my stuff in a, I had a Honda Accord. I threw all my stuff in a Honda Accord and me and a buddy, two days to drive out to Colorado. And that was in um, uh, October 86. And I've been out here ever since then. Wow. Yeah, Colorado sucks you in. If you don't live in Colorado, I came from Maryland. Once you come out here and you go, no humidity, sunshine, you don't ever want to leave. And so then you did the Metropolitan Club, for, and then you became the executive chef, and then you became the regional chef, right? Correct. So I was, at, I was at the Metropolitan Club. So I stayed with that organization for 10 years. Five of those 10 years, I was a regional chef, meaning we were a billion-dollar-plus corporation, and we had over 275, 280 properties across the United States. So I was in the western region. And at the time, Texas West was considered the Western region. And we had clubs in different states. We were even up into Canada. So it was myself and four other chefs that were regional chefs, and we controlled the region. 
So I managed uh, in that position 350 million of that billion. Wow. And then you left the Metropolitan Club, and where did you go? Okay, so I left the Metropolitan Club, and fancy this. I was the golden child at the Metropolitan Club, and then I went to the red-headed stepchild overnight. They wanted me to relocate to Seattle, and I didn't want to go. They was going to uh, pay my rent for 13 months, whichever was cheaper. And I wanted them to buy my house. And they was like, nope, we're not in the real estate business. And I said, neither am I. So I went from golden child to redheaded stepchild overnight. So instead of me fighting with the company, doing anything uh, like that, I, I had 10 years there, so I, I didn't want to uh, soil my name. So I just left. And I went. I left there, and then I went to Lakewood Country Club. And I stayed at Lakewood Country Club for two years. I left there and went to Cherry Hills Country Club. And I stayed at Cherry Hills Country Club for three months. And I left Cherry Hills after three months because me and management, we had uh, uh, a parting of ways, if you will. <laughs> that would be podcast number three, okay, <laughs> of why we what happened there. But um, I left and uh, went on my own. And I had... Okay, so we're going to talk numbers. I don't know how many of your other people talk numbers, but this yeah. this is really good. Talk numbers. So I had a $85,000 salary with a $50,000 bonus potential at the Cherry Hills, and I was going to make it because I knew how to run my numbers. Um, and I walked out. The only job I ever left because of the clash with the management. And then I started doing catering. And when I say catering, I had friends that had elevated themselves to some high-powered positions for national caterers. So I was fortunate enough to throw in, we were like, um, almost like a, a, a crew. So different people came from different backgrounds and threw in together, and then we went out and executed these high events. So high events would be, I did the Winter Olympics in, in uh, Salt Lake in 2002. We did the Republican and Democratic conventions. I did an event called the Rolex Equestrian Time Trials. So, like, huge events that we did in different states. And, and I traveled around, and I did a lot of that for about five or six years. And in the world of catering, you can always get a call. So once you're in that environment, you can always get a call. Six months go by, you still get a call. A year goes by, you still get a call. So as much as I wanted to commit to doing that, the opportunities was there. I was doing a lot of traveling. Then I threw in with, um, at the time, uh, I threw in with a company called Johnny B Sales, and they were an equipment manufacturer's rep group in Colorado. And a real quick synopsis of that business is manufacturers want to sell appliances in the commercial environment, and they know demonstration sale equipment. So they asked the rep, get me a demonstration fully functioning kitchen and I'll give you the equipment. And then it's up to you to bring clients in and show them how to use my product. And at the time, Colorado was kind of like a destination and a lot of other states were serviced from Colorado. So Colorado, Wyoming, New Mexico, Arizona, Utah, Idaho, Montana, a lot of those uh, states were supported by efforts in Colorado. So I did traveling with the manufacturer's reps and I, I stayed with Johnny B and in our 
our, our time together, we went through three large uh, combi manufacturers. Some of you will know Rationale. Mm. Some of you will know AutoSham. Some of you will know Electrolux in the uh, commercial arena. So I spent time over probably like 12 to 15 years representing those manufacturers through Johnny B Sales. So when I, in the context of doing that, my, my time at the Metropolitan Club, I made a um, uh, statement in an article that one day I wanted to do television. So I was fortunate enough to have a partner whose wife was a tennis pro at Greenwood Athletic Club. They had one of the magazines for their guests to read. She was on downtime, read the article, took it home to her husband. He called me, and we had a meeting the next day. Three months later, we were doing a fully funded television show in Japan. That's awesome. So that's where I started my uh, world of television, and then I've been dabbling with it ever since then, and that was back in the uh, early 2000s, okay? And um, after I left the Johnny B sales organization, I was fortunate enough to get with Honey Smoke Salmon. So I was the corporate chef for about six, six and a half, seven years with Honey Smoke Salmon. And in that uh, capacity, I did a lot of marketing, so I did a lot of the radio advertisements, I did a lot of the television advertisements, and I traveled around and I did a lot of shows because Honey Smoked Salmon is hot smoked salmon that's fully cooked, ready to eat out of the package, and the objective of that company is to get people to try the product. So they went across the country doing food shows, sampling out products for people to try. And... Um, we had a fantastic run. I'm, when I say fantastic, the company probably quadrupled in sales in the six years that I was there. And um, I left on really good terms. I still do some contract work for him today. So uh, we, we, we still have an excellent relationship. And I came over to Mountain High Appliance for the similar uh, reasoning do some of the marketing, some of the radio, some of the television, and then try to get a handle on the growth in the uh, residential um, uh, equipment industry. Sure. Now, we have another thing in common, because we both worked at Lakewood together. Yes. And then, and we actually worked at Lakewood together, too, for like a summer. But then I also had a horrible experience at Cherry Hills. <laughs> <laughs> so... That they, they broke my soul in like 90s. Uh, I did a summer. I ran the pools. Yeah. Yeah. In yeah, the yeah, summer yeah. of like 94, 95, something like yeah, that. Yeah. And it's just that their, uh, the, the, the culture and environment behind the scenes was a little bit different. And, and it was more like instead of being an individual, they wanted you to be a clone. Yeah. And, 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 and what you do as a chef, you definitely have to have the freedom to be in, individual, to be creative. And so that, that just comes with the territory. So when they try to take, basically, they try to take a round peg and fit it in a square hole, it just doesn't work. Yeah. The chef that you replaced was from Basque, and he used to burn people with a spoon when yeah. they weren't doing a good job. Yeah. yeah. He was a real turd. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> so, okay. So talk about your show real quick, and then we'll move on. 
Okay, so the television show, I'm actually in development of a new show right now. We can have an exclusive. We're, we're, we're letting it out. We're letting the cat kind of out of the bag on Tommy Wise's show. We're, we're going into the studio over the summer. We're doing another show, and we're going to stream it. So the, 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 the ideal is one of a kind. I can only tell you that. Hint, hint. But I can tell you this. Go to my website. So I'm going to give you a second to get a pen. Oh, no, I'm going to give you three seconds. Okay, you put it in the show note. But three, two, one, get your writing instrument. Okay, three, two, one, get your writing instrument. Okay, three, two, one, you got your writing in- instrument. Chef kdj.com go to my website and we'll put um we'll put all the information there and we hope to launch this new show in the uh mid to late fall of this year now prior to that the other show that tommy wise talking about actually i was fortunate enough to have two shows so i went to japan had a show over though over there it was called champagne chef and that was for my bubbly and effervescent personality. You probably can't tell because <laughs> I don't have the, the radio, whatever it is. But, okay. So then we had another show called Entertainment. And Entertainment was, we called it like a culinary variety show. And in that uh, show, we were fortunate enough to be uh, in, in between 50 and 55 million homes with our our television partner was a network called Colors Television, C-O-L-O-U-R-S, which is the British spelling of colors. They're no longer in existence. So unfortunately, you can't see any of my stuff. But if you go to the website and hook up with me, you'll be able to stay with me in the future. And, and it's definitely some exciting things going on with Chef Keith. Cool. Okay, question number two. What is the big project or initiative that you're working on right now? Okay, so the big project, I just let the cat out of the bag, is the the new um, uh, TV show that we're doing. And I always have things going on at Mountain High Appliance. So we, we have ad campaigns that we're doing, and we're looking to, to get involved with some charitable organizations. So we have a heart with this company. So we're going to get active in our charitable community, and that can manifest itself in several different ways. So the options are out there. We just did a cancer event that was very well received. We did it with the with one of our local partners, the uh, Adventist Hospital that's right up the street from us. We had about 30 uh, of their clients, if you will, that came to us and we did a uh, meal. Here's um, some foods that you could eat to help offset the effects of cancer. And it went over surprisingly well. So all the other doctors with the different ailments want to get on our calendar. So we could just be in business doing that. <laughs> but the uh, television show, it'll be, um, we're going to stream it. And it'll be um, kind of reality-based, if you will, which is hot right now. But um, it's going to have uh, some fun twists and turns uh, to it. And it's all positive. And it does have a young adult element to it. That's all I can say. (laughs) Uh, What is the one thing in the restaurant industry or your business that's keeping you up at night? Okay. So most, when, when, when a question comes like that, most of the time it might go or it might slant to where it's something that could be challenging or it's something that could have like a negative connotation, like what is keeping you up at night? And I'm going to tell you, it started with me as a kid and is with me to this day. P-A-S-S-I-O-N. Passion keeps me up morning, noon, and night. 
I'm passion driven. So when I have something that's uh, in my head about the culinary industry, it connects with the passion that's pulsing through my bloodstream, and I just can't let it go, man. And it it, it, it could be an ideal of um, um, I'll give you a perfect example. I wanted to use my time effectively to write a book, okay? So I was fortunate enough to pen a book a few years ago, and, and the title is uh, Cooking Up Your Dreams. And it's like one man's journey from cooking TV dinners to cooking dinners on TV, how I got started in the business, and it's basically what I shared earlier. So now that passion led me to say, you know what? I got up. Every morning, went into Honey Smoked Salmon at 6 o'clock in the morning, and from 6 to 8, I worked on my book. Every single day for a year and a half. 6 to 8, I worked on my book. 8 o'clock, I'm on the official Honey Smoked Salmon clock. I let the boss know what I was doing. I took my time, and I, and I did it right. And my new book, I'm going to launch and announce that here on the Tommy Wise <laughs> show so you guys are going to get two for one the and you're going to love this the the uh title of my book is well done nice okay and it's uh and the uh, synopsis of this or the tagline with this one is one man's journey from ridicule to adulation because when I walked into that kitchen with my mentor Edward Janos being a product of the ghetto, okay, they wanted to feed me. And when I, after 90 days, I said, yes, I'll take a staff meal. They gave me filet, green beans, and rice. So when I got my plate with filet on there, it had blood on the plate. And I was like, uh, chef, I need this meat well done because that's how they eat it yeah. in my where I come from. Everybody in the kitchen laughed at me because he was like, that steak is a perfect medium rare, and you will eat it just like that. And then I said, hey, uh, the green beans that's on the plate, they too green. Can I get them like they come out the can? And then he goes, listen, those Erico Verts are perfect just like they are. And then I said, okay, how would it be? Is it okay if I can get some gravy for my rice? And then he looked at me. He says, if you ever call my sauce a gravy again, You'll be fired. So I put that plate down and I said, okay, so I don't think I'll be eating for a while. But, you know, okay, so starting right there. So that's my ridicule yeah. and then the adulation, you know, doing the television shows. I said I, I had a show in Japan. I also did a show in Belize. I did a show in Ecuador. And when I went and did the, the, the shows in those countries, the standing ovations and the uh, uh, recept the reception from the audience was unbelievable. And I'm in countries where I can't even speak the language. But it's a feeling. You know, I had translators, but it's a, it's a feeling that you can get. So the journey from ridicule to adulation is what it's about. The story is fantastic. And go to the website and you put in something about, hey, when is Well Done coming out? And I'll let you know because <laughs> it's in process right now. That's awesome. That's a great story. Uh what is the one thing that you thought the industry would be doing right now that it's not? Okay, so the 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 one thing that I thought the industry would be doing by right by now is that I thought it would be 
more individual restaurants that would be popping up. But it seems like now everywhere you go, it's a lot of chains. So the chains take away a lot of the headache because they can give you a system. They can give you the, the, the environment. They can give you the formula, however you want to uh, describe it. They'll give that to you. And then the outcome is just if you execute this plan, we're going to, uh, you know, forecast your success. And on the individual restaurant side, it is a lot of hard work. It is blood, sweat, and tears. And it's just, you know, it's unfortunate that everything has transpired to where the economy is not really supportive of giving the individual restaurateurs a chance. Sure. So it's it's, it's kind of sad to see because it's a lot of creativity in the, in the culinary world. Now, that's one thing that really excites me. All of our colleagues now, future and junior chefs, both male and female, it's so many incredible, incredibly talented people that are out there that's trying to get in, and they just haven't found the balance or the formula to where they make it to where it's right. And sometimes, you know, the modicum of uh, success is how you deal with the failure. And a lot of the chefs will get their hands slapped and tuck their tail between their legs and run into a chain. And, man, I wish they had the fortitude to stay committed to their dream of opening up their own place. You know, it's interesting, too, is that we just were talking about this and we saw a study on it. The one thing that's scary about millennials, too, in this space is that they have no loyalty to restaurants. Like service, we saw a stat that the service level had gone up 10%, but loyalty had gone down 6%. Right. And that's also scary for opening an independent restaurant because you could crush it with your service, have great food, but you're not new because you've already been there once, and so now you're having a hard time making it. Right, right, right. Yep. And and those are, those are historical challenges, and they'll always be there. Yep. But it's it's just um, you know the the uh, as you said the millennial generation that they they want that instant gratification and so that's another obstacle to success in a sustained environment of a restaurant which is only gonna come over the course of time yeah and a lot of because of that instant gratification a lot of chefs be it male or female don't want to go through the blood, sweat, and tears to to uh, get it that way because they might want to change. You know, I, I want to yeah. do this in the kitchen. Then maybe I want to do molecular gastronomy. Then maybe I want to do something else. Or, or, and, 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 you know, that that's they, they, they go to where their senses are. So when that hits them, okay, let me do this and let me do that. And it's great in one perspective that they can do it, but then it's, it's bad in a in perspective that, it's nothing that's maintained and sustained. Sure, absolutely. And I think one other thing, just to tag on that point, is the other thing that like you have to balance in this business is the creativity versus the system, right? Like, Correct. And you have to be like you'll never be successful in a restaurant if you're not a systems-driven person. So you've got to be able to have the creativity but fit it into a system of discipline Correct. about making your numbers, about Correct. doing your checklist, about Correct. making sure everything's ready to go every shift. Like there's a lot of, a lot of like boring, monotonous details in running a restaurant. But if it's when you don't do those, you just screen yourself out of business instantly. And Correct. it's the guys that execute not only on the creativity and the quality, but also on the daily ops side of things 
that are going to make it happen, you know? Correct. And then they get a lot of, uh, it's fantastic that all the, 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 the world of television is out there yeah. so they can, they can see everything that's out there worldwide. I mean, between the television and the computer, you can go see food from all over the world. You can see the way different chefs operate, so on and so forth. And television is entertainment, but the real nuts and bolts are are there mentors out there that's going to give you the D word, as Tommy said, the discipline? Are they going to teach you the right way to where it's not like I'm going to give you the fish, but I'm going to teach you how to fish. So when I'm gone, you'll be able to maintain. And that's what we don't currently have is a void of those positive mentors and role models in the chef industry that can take our young colleagues and give them what they need so they can have a balanced and well-rounded education and well-rounded experience so they can be successful as they move on. Yeah. And so if you're a chef out there and you're listening to this, who are you mentoring, right? And uh, if you're looking for a mentor, what are you prepared to do to be that mentor? Right. mentor mentee, you know, are you prepared to work extra couple hours every day? To keep your, to keep that guy, you know, to keep the relationship going, I guess is the best way to put it. Exactly. So, cool. Last question. Recount a super funny or horrible story in your career. Uh, Okay. Um, Because um, I spent so much time with the master chef. I I told you my my plate story about well done, right? Okay. (laughs) So, um, in our... In our travels, we went to a place called the Village Club, and it was a pri- private dining club in in the suburbs of Detroit. Again, this was Bloomfield Hill, Bloomfield Hills, which is another affluent suburb to the uh, to Detroit, and it was a private dining club, and it was female based, so it was a women's club, yeah. and the staff that was there before us did everything practically frozen all their desserts was frozen so hey we're gonna take it out of the freezer we're gonna cook it the way the instructions are we're gonna let it thaw out a lot of their foods the vegetables and everything was frozen so you go in there and it looks like a grocery store where they got all the different (laughs) vegetables and everything stacked up and the fresh items that they had would be fruit and lettuce. Okay, so that was kind of <laughs> like the way the 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 uh, goods were. So Ed goes in there and he shuts everything down. It's like we're gonna get rid of all this frozen stuff. We're gonna start doing everything from scratch. Right when that happened, a percentage of the staff left. They just bounced, man. They 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 just bounced. So one of the people that stayed was the pastry chef. And, okay, so she was with it. So now, this particular day, Ed tells me, clean her area because it looks like you know what. Because he wanted everything to be clean because he wanted to start the uh, culture to have the members be able to come in the kitchen. I'm going to take you on tour, so I'm going to show you why, what you're, why I'm the chef here. So I want you to see the physical changes that I'm making, and then this is the value that you're getting for your money. This is why you hired me, basically. Okay, so he wanted everything above board. 
So he tells me to clean the pastry chef area. So man, I got okay, I'm with it. Hey, hey I know how to clean reach ins <laughs> and, and the whole nine yards. Cause he didn't want to ask her. So I clean everything. And she came in and she looked around and she was like, uh, what happened? And um uh it was uh you gonna have to go talk to the chef. Well <laughs> well the chef wasn't there. So she disappeared, right? And then we're kind of like, okay, so what the heck? What the heck is going on? So she left, and then she came back. So she challenged the chef. Just challenge him. Like, what, what's going on here? Uh, well, I had one of the employees clean your area because it was unacceptable the way you kept your station. She left. And she had a few choice cuss words before she went out and normally it's the other way around so normally the chef is chewing out the employee this one this employee chewed out the chef before she left and it was fascinating to me it was funny at the time it was fascinating to me that he just stood there and took it and I'm and I and I I was ready to fight cuz I'm like <laughs> this is my this is my mentor. You can't be talking to him like that. And if he would have said we going we 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 going to get no, okay now obviously okay politically correct this is way back when I when I know you fight a woman. I, I know that. I know that that, that 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 that's like no good. That that can never happen but it was just it was so bad that to me it went comical. And not only did uh she leave, but our dishwasher left. So we, and those were the last two from the previous administration. And anybody that knows anything about the restaurants, if you don't have a competent or quality dishwasher, eventually your operation is going to shut down. So that was the golden person, the dishwasher. And the dishwasher left because I cleaned the pastry chef's area. And never in a million years would you think that something like that would, would happen? So because it did, guess who got stuck washing the dishes? Your boy. <laughs> I had to go back to the dish area and wash the dishes. And you talking about hot or do, I was infuriated. But while I was washing the dishes, it was funny. And the chef, he would walk by and he would laugh at me. He would laugh at me, kind of like behind my back, but, you know, comical situation in the way it happened so that was like a blip on the radar for a couple of weeks we got over it but you know you know as I look back on it now I laugh because you know when you when you're a new administration you go in the kitchen you think like who who's a keeper and and who can't you get rid of and those were two people that were identified we can't get rid of those people and, man, Ed took that just like it wasn't nothing, and we just bounced right through it, and it was just like game on, man. So comical now, but at the time, it was just like, you have got to be freaking kidding me. I'm washing dishes. I'm eight years into this gig, and I'm washing dishes. Like, what? <laughs> That's awesome. So thank you, Keith, for being on the show. And why don't you plug your website again? Okay, so you can go get get to me, Chef, C-H-E-F, K as in Keith, D as in David, J as in Jones, chefkdj.com. Send me an email. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you, Tommy Y, for having me on. I dropped the nuggets about a, a, a part two and a part three, so whenever we get around to doing that, I have more fantastic stories for you guys, and I look forward to the next time we get together. 
Awesome. Thank you, Keith, for being on the Order Up show. And pay attention. We're going to be uh, releasing a bunch more interviews here in the next couple of weeks. So uh, they'll obviously pop up if you have subscribed to the podcast. And we thank you so much uh, for listening. Take care. Bye.